everybody, welcome back to the Consummate Athlete Podcast. I'm Molly Herford, and when I am not teaching the occasional yoga or spin class, I am probably writing about it and or any outdoor activities. And I'm Peter Glassford. I'm a registered kinesiologist and an endurance coach. Yeah, today was a busy morning for both of us. Very active. I got to teach a uh, spin class followed by a quick yoga session uh, over at Active Life Conditioning here in Collingwood. And Peter, you had a couple classes too. Couple classes, yes. And squeezed in a, a quick early morning weight workout. Uh, we also went for a quick Starbucks date on the way to the gym. I don't think that counts as a date. It was a date. We went together. No. Um, we both had coffee. Mm, That's a coffee date. Not together. Date. That's a coffee date. <laughs> um, but anyway, we also spent the weekend with my brother in law and his wife and our new niece, who's four months old, and their year old puppy. Um, all ridiculously cute, uh, all fantastic, and oh my gosh, this weekend gave me such a newfound respect for new parents who are remaining active, who are, I mean, honestly, getting up in the morning, to be totally honest. It's amazing to me. Um, Yeah, it's definitely, it's cool scene. I mean, it's my youngest brother, so, you know, you always the baby of the family so you always assume you know they're not gonna you know they're gonna need help (laughs) sorry martin (laughs) i mean he knows he's the baby um but yeah they're doing a great job with it and you know staying active and walking a bunch and i think having the dog and stuff helps with that too and getting moving but yeah definitely kudos to everyone who has dogs and or uh, young, young adults, young adults, young adults, or, or I, this small is a people. Very young adults. In small, this case. small people. Yeah, we went to the warm water pool, played in the water, went on a bunch of walks, Santa parade. Yeah, really fun weekend. Um, so, Peter, we decided we're going to add a new segment to every week. We're going to talk about just one little thing that we're into, something that's like optimized our lives or that we're really enjoying for the week. <laughs> We'll have to see if Wide Angle Podium can get us, like, a jingle for this. Ooh, yeah. I like that. Yeah. I mean, it's a little more editing work, but I'm willing to do it for the listeners. Yeah. <laughs> if you're a jingle maker, maybe you have, like... Yeah. New technology jingle. Oh, no, not that. Um, one guy actually did write me a song when my bike got run over by a car uh, to the tune of Grandma Got Run Over by a Reindeer. It was Molly's Bike Got Run Over by a Mini. It is still one of my favorite things anyone has ever done for me, ever. How was the Mini? Mini was fine. I feel like Minis don't go over bikes very well. Well, my bike would beg to differ. Huh. Anyway, what is your one thing? Did we ask the question? Like, what one thing what? What is the one thing that has optimized your life this week, Peter? Uh, I don't know about optimized, but at the... I don't want to say grayscale, but uh, oh, the listeners God. will know that I have grayscaled my phone and find it quite enjoyable. But on top of that, uh, the new iOS, and I think some of the Google phones are doing similar. Uh, they're sort of just opening up some of the statistics around how much screen time, how much time you're sending on different apps, and then also letting you lock down uh, apps. So, for example, you might lock down your social media stuff after a certain amount of time or at a certain time of day. So, it maybe nine to five, you don't let yourself access the Twitter and stuff. And it sounds odd as an adult that you would do that. This is also available, obviously, if you have kids with phones, you can use this. Um, but it's actually, even though I can put in the passcode and get around it, uh, it is an extra level of annoyance and, and sort of just that like check do you need to go on to this right now? Um, and I've definitely found that, you know, at the 
end of the day, it's like, I'm going to open up my email just, you know, out of habit I'm sitting and then it's just like, well, I don't need to right? or open up even worse, I guess would be, you know, opening up social media. So if you haven't looked into that, I, I would say it's something that's probably on your phone, whatever you have, um, unless you don't have a phone and then you don't need any of this. In which case, good for you. Kudos. Yeah. yeah. I actually, I agree with you on the email because I know even honestly, you mentioning checking your email just made my hand twitch towards my phone. You do have a bit of a habit. Yeah. I do have a bit of a habit. So that is, yeah, not the worst thing to make me take a pause and think about if I really needed to check my email or not. It's pretty crazy. I, I don't think of myself as looking at my phone a lot. I have my phone on is the only problem with this, but uh, it does report at the end of the day, I think if you want, but mine does it at the average over the week. And it's been like two hours a day. And I'm like, whew, it seems like a lot. But I again, I think mine gets skewed because it's open uh, for music. And, and you read a lot on it too. Yeah, and so that would obviously skew it. And so, I mean, you need to factor that in like anything. But uh, I think the, the just the locking it down and limiting it during the day for a lot of people would be a nice help, right? Whether you're trying to just focus at work on the 9 to 5 or, or you know, pedal your bike and not look at your phone while you're pedaling your bike. Um, it could be a great thing. Yeah, all right, good one. And yours? Do I have to ask you the question? Yeah, okay, I was sorry. Say, I'm a little Molly, little what is your you. one thing this week? Mm. Well, one thing. Excellent. Uh, no, absolutely not. Um, I'm gonna say my one thing is uh, what we've we've deemed competitive deep work. Oh yeah, that was a good one. We <laughs> that came was up a good with. one. Yeah, we're yeah. gonna have to write that book soon, though. Yeah. Yeah, so nobody steal that. But uh, so Tuesday, I decided, okay, I'm going to spend the majority of my day. I spent Monday kind of clearing my deck so I'd have Tuesday without any deadlines coming up or anything that I had to get done that day. So I could spend that whole day working on one of the upcoming Shred Girls books because I was super close to getting a draft finished. Really just needed a few hours to kind of push it over the edge. And I know if I just actually zoomed in on it and sat there and turned off my Wi-Fi, I could get it done. Um, normally, I'm not that good at single tasking, though, so it was a bit of a struggle. Um, but we had a super productive morning because of it, because as it turns out, neither one of us can handle when the other one issues a, I'm going to do this deep work thing for the day, because it means the other one has to automatically be like, well, I'm doing deeper work. So, you know, I mean, you can do what you want. So you're suggesting like a a, that just blocking off, you know, prior to the day, how much could you get done if you focused for the next four hours and locked yourself in a room? Yeah, I'm a terrible, I'm terrible for multitasking. So for me, actually forcing myself to single task, I, I'm always shocked at A, how much I get done, but then B, how productive I am even in every other arena, right? Like then right after I got done with a few hours of that, we walked to the pool, we did a strength workout. I felt awesome and like super on top of it. And not like I wanted to go home and sit down and turn on something on Netflix and just kind of chill. It put me in a really productive state for a few days. Yeah, I think you could apply this, right? Even if it's just a once a week thing, it could be, we're going to talk a bit about sort of workouts, uh, especially for indoor, you know, cycling, running, rowing type stuff uh, at the end of the episode today. But, you know, what if, you know, I hate to pick on Netflix or Twitter or whatever, but what if, you know, rather than spending the time there, you could dedicate even once a week, you know, to a two-hour trainer workout to get an endurance ride. And we'll talk about ways to make that more interesting, like I say, later. But just once a week, so many people are struggling to ever do 
over an hour, which for a lot of cyclists would be an advantage. It's not appropriate for everyone, but you know, to get that one long ride, right? Or, or my dad was talking about like switching his credit cards over or something. And he, he wasn't going to do it because it would take too much time to switch like the prepaid stuff, right? And what if he just got that out of the way? You know, spent two hours. It probably wouldn't take more than that to switch a few prepayments, right? Um, so I, you wonder if we, we could all find that couple hours, right? Yeah, absolutely. Once a week, once a month, right? And just sort of like slam out something, you know, that, that proposal that, you know, for students, it might be like a scholarship application. Um, what else do people do that they could apply this to? Right, any kind Job of... Job applications, yeah. if you're looking for something new. Um, Work report, website update, like oh, well, so yeah. many different things. Yeah, and I think it's best applied to things like that, right? That we've, we've I don't know if we've talked about it on the podcast, but the, the classic, like, it's not urgent. It's not a, something that's on fire. You know, your book deadline wasn't that day, but you wanted to get it done. It was important. At some point it has to get done, Yeah, but exactly. it wasn't urgent, right? And that stuff's really easy not to do until it's too yeah. late, right? And then you're at the wire. Then it's urgent and important, but you're not going to get it done as well. Uh, so yeah, that is sort of my, my thought for the day. And to make it competitive, if you happen to have a, a partner who... Well, or, or just even or a friend, friend. Yeah. just like how much deep work did you do this you know mm. uh, i win for the record right well yeah. that's fine yeah. anyway don't uh, know if i can I, I believe it's i'm supposed to say yes dear at this point it's best advice yeah. all right dear let's get into today's questions and actually before we get totally into the questions let's hit on the topic that's on everybody's mind this week it's thanksgiving week in the u.s um Thanksgiving up here in Canada, not as big of a deal as I've found. Like when Thanksgiving came to Canada a month and a bit ago, there were no articles on the internet about like eating around the holidays or how to stay fit for Thanksgiving. In Canada, it's really just kind of like a one meal and it's not even that big of a meal and it's done. Um, but I know for a lot of our U.S. audience, we're starting to get into the holiday season. Dun, dun, dun. So, over the I years... I feel like we're both just doing jingles today, but... I know. It's a really jingly day. The, I mean, and the reality is the U.S. Thanksgiving also coincides with coming into holiday season, right? So we all have... Holiday you know, parties. Work, work parties, family parties, you know, all these, these things. Yeah, so I figured over the years we've both kind of picked up a bit of, you know, advice and what works best for staying reasonably healthy throughout the season... So I figured we'd just kind of both drop a couple tips in here. So Peter? For the holiday season. For the holiday season. Okay. So so we're thinking like we're going to holiday events and how am I going to stay fit? Yeah, like get me through December. Help. Right. Um, there's a, I mean, the one thing that I find is we get forced into a lot of alcohol or, or poor choices like that. So I think there's, there's two things if we're talking most specifically about being at a party or a meal or something like that and you know if you, if you have to be holding a drink which is like sort of a societal thing the you know water with a lemon sparkly water with a lemon looks very much like most alcohol not most alcoholic drinks but like a, a gin and whatever right um, yeah absolutely so even if you're drinking then you can like interact go back and forth and just really nurse that and just try and decrease you know because the difference between one or two is a lot different than three or four obviously right um so just trying to the more wins you can get like that when you think about just how are you going to feel the next two days after four drinks 
Absolutely. Right? So that's a big win. And a lot of my business people clients who are whining and dying frequently, right? That's a big game changer. And they start figuring out the ones that work and, you know, holding the beer bottle a little extra long and just pretending there's beer in it or, or however that works, right? Um, it sounds odd, but just there is that societal pressure and it is around some people's jobs and it is hard, right? Like at some point you, you know, people are going to keep handing you drinks. Um, I do like the, like, that's why I started drinking scotch originally is because no one ever really questions you when you're drinking scotch. Um, (laughs) you know, they don't say, you just, you know, they try and offer you beer or something and then you just say, no, I'm drinking scotch. And they sort of just understand that you're for some reason a scotch drinker. And you can hold that scotch for a really long time. Yeah. It's, it's not a drink that you slam. Right. And and no one knows if you've had four or, or one. Right. Or, or if it was never scotch to start off with. So that's, I think, a good one. And I think on the note of hydration or the note of drinking is this note of hydration. It is super easy with like travel and then like a brunch and then a lunch and then a dinner and, you know, just constant kind of, oh, here's orange juice. Here's wine. Here's coffee. It's super easy to end up wicked dehydrated, even, you know, when you're home for the day. So Especially, you know, you're just out of your routine. So remembering to always have those glasses of straight water. I think so. Yeah, definitely that, that classic rule of like one for one is, is a good one. I, I don't know where I stand on dehydration and people's water consumption, but I think most people would probably do well just year round drinking, a, you know, a big glass in the morning and then, you know, trying to get some clear water without any f- flavorings, without any sugar powders, without any... You know, milk does not count. Alcohol does not count, obviously. And just how many times do you drink? Maybe that's a a question I need to add to my intake form is like, how many times do you drink a glass of like just water? Uh, And it's surprising the number of people that the the number is zero. Yeah, absolutely. On days on end, right? Even as like competitive athletes. um, No, if we're out of our comfort zone, it's very easy for me to go a whole day where I realize I've pretty much just drunk coffee. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. that's that's not good for anybody. So yeah, hydrating. And then I think our big one is always just going to be walking. If you can't get your, you know, you can do it anywhere. Th- yeah. You can do it anywhere. Any weather. Yeah. If you can't get your three-hour ride in, if you can't get your run in, if you can't even do your strength workout, and I'll always push for my morning yoga routine, which you can find on theoutdooredit.com. There's a couple different videos. I'll push for that, but I'll say the biggest thing is just getting out and getting a walk in every day. Yeah, it's pretty amazing how much strength you can maintain or, or mobility or I, I would say even the, the walking with like just that basic cardiovascular ability. I think a lot of people don't have that. Um, so I think it, it's it's really good. And I mean, you can make walking harder, you know, the snow might make it harder or elevation might make it harder. Um, you know, uh, having a kid you're carrying was, would certainly make it harder. And you can certainly, the nice thing I think that we really like about walking is that it could be with your family, right? It could Mm -hmm. be, you know, get one or two family members from the the family activity and just go for a walk. You know, if you can convince them to play some road hockey or what do Americans play? Is there like a toss the football around? Um, You know, these are great ways to get active, right? And no, it's not necessarily something you put into your training log, but I think it, it counts and it's getting you moving and you're feeling better and Um, You come out of that weekend, you know, happier and feeling a little rejuvenated, right? Yeah. And I think the last thing I want to say about holidays, and this kind of goes into our next question here, is like, it's fine. If if your holiday season coincides with your off season, that's probably not a bad thing. If you're doing the walking, if you're trying to eat reasonably healthy throughout, you know, this could be your off season. This could be your few weeks that you are off the bike or out of the gym or out of the pool or whatever, you know, whatever your sport is. 
And that way, you know, when you come back in the new year, you're not coming back feeling like, oh, God, I, like, really, like, fell off the wagon. You're thinking, oh, good, I took the off-season that I needed to take, and now I'm back and excited to get started again. So really just reframing the fact that you're not going to get to train as much. Yeah, and I think this starts relating to our one conversation that we're going to have, our one question about the fall and you know exactly. the, the off season and the ultimate question is, is this planning of training right and that might be via coach or a training uh plan or you're training you know sort of planning or not planning your own training but that's you know what what you should be doing is thinking okay well when during the year can i put in a big focused block of training and at the end of that you know you could position a race right so if you look at a, a goal race, and I have an article I'll try and link to about like, can you train for the goal that you've set? And it's so often that we, we select goals that seem really cool in the future, but then don't think about A, if we enjoy the training that we're going to do for this goal, or, or, <coughs> or are we gonna- Raise his hand. Yes, Molly's good at this. Um, and can we, you know, do we have family limitations? You know, is there a baby being born in the month before this event? Um, I think, I don't know if I've had a week of the event, but like some, yeah, it's, it, and it's, it's odd, right? The future self can do it, but we forget about how much energy holidays take and trips, family vacations and stuff. Right. So in the last few years, I've had a couple of really good successes of like, okay, you take a family vacation every July. Why are we planning around like an August goal? You know, it's just where you're beating your head against the wall. You're just never going to win that. And why Why be thinking and trying to fit rides in on family vacation? Why even bring your bike? Because that best self is out at four in the morning doing those bike rides. But there's so many races, right? And probably similar races you could do at another time of year, right? Or negotiate and family vacation could be another time of year if that's, you know, bucket list this year I have to do x august race. Yeah, for the record, I was totally kidding. I don't think anyone should be getting up to ride at 4 a.m. on vacation, that seems crazy. Well, and I mean, sometimes you have to do that too. But then again, some people are okay with that and that fits. So I'm not any one solution. There's solutions to every problem. But um, when you're when you're planning out the season or planning out through Thanksgiving and stuff, like a lot of seasons have stopped now and we're a ways away from goals. So sometimes that like, oh, I feel like, you know, I'm not motivated. The weather's crummy. You know, I'm not sure what I'm doing. Well, sometimes the best solution is to just wait a week and take an off season, right? And that off season, quote unquote, you know, this transition week is can be a week, right? It could be five days. Yeah. It doesn't have to be a, you know, season doesn't mean like fall. Yeah, absolutely. So that leads us to the question of, is it normal to feel a little lost, feel a lack of motivation at this time of year? Yep, for sure. I mean, and, and it's, there's a degree of that, right? Like the post Iron Man uh, blues. I have a client who was self-aware enough to know they had this after doing a big stage race in November. Um, and they commented that you know, they're feeling pretty blue. And I was like, is this post, uh, like, quote unquote, post Iron Man sort of burnout, like uh, depression? Uh, and he said, yes, indeed, that's what this is. And he'll be fine. But uh, so we're, we're working on, you know, goals for next season. And he took an, I think we ended up taking a good solid two weeks. And now we're going to have a bunch of sort of what I would call sort of preparatory period where we're working on a bunch of therapy and, and just getting over some of those injuries that have been sort of being nursed through the season. 
so his quote unquote off season might be more like a six to eight week, but we're, you know, we have a four week block here where we're working on some therapeutic exercise and, you know, more yoga than he would like and, and that sort of stuff. Right. Um, I don't know if that answers the question. Kind of does. You think so? I think so. But what about people who still have races coming up for this season? So this time of year, I mean, you might have some sort of destination race. And then you'll have, I guess in the U.S., we have cyclocross nationals. Yeah, I was going to um, say, I feel like a lot of our listeners are thinking cyclocross nationals. Yeah, and that's why I've always, you know, Canada, we're, we're lucky and also unlucky with our winters. Um, that it just makes cycling impossible, basically. Um so, I, you know, I still think that this time of year, you're still four weeks, I think, from U.S. Cyclocross Nationals, yep. approximately. Um, so a few people that I work with who are doing that, you know, they're taking they're taking their Thanksgiving. It's a Thursday to the Sunday. I think football is a big deal for some of them. Um, everyone? I don't know. And so they're just, you know, it's a four-day little recovery bit. Maybe a spin in the middle or some sort of Thanksgiving ride if the weather works out. And, you know, just a chill four days. Like just mental, you know, recovery and back at it on Monday, right? It's not really that big of a deal. And then you can get a nice focused block, right? And that on and off of mental energy and physical energy is so important. And often it's just this grind. And that's what so many people get caught up in is never being really amped really motivated and really recovered so they can really do a good workout and that's the hard part with cyclocross that you know i've talked about over the years where you know if you're racing both days every weekend for three months it's almost impossible to even to recover from race to race and to get in any kind of training so like when you hit the season you're pretty much at the best fitness and shape that you're going to be in for the rest of the season because you're pretty much always going to be just trying to claw your way back to recover it in time for the next weekend's racing yeah and it's been something that i've always found hard with cyclocross personally and i guess also professionally as a coach is a lot of people you know they have the kids and job and stuff and it's just crazy to grace every weekend doubles right it's it's crazy to expect that you're not going to feel pretty burnt and pretty tired um, and, and so it's the answer I think is to try and pick and take some off weeks here and there and show up really amped for a couple workouts and for a couple races. And it's tough. There's a social element to that too, right? So this is one thing that I kind of wanted to touch on though, is, you know, a lot of people get this sort of late season or end of season blues. And part of that is, you know, social. The reason I still stayed in the cyclocross scene, working with teams and, writing about it and stuff for the past couple of years instead of just kind of getting out of it altogether when I stopped racing was because the people really mattered to me. And I love seeing all of my friends on race weekends, you know, whether or not I'm lining up at the start or not. Um, but I think it took me a while to kind of accept that I could still be at races without being a racer. So if you're super pumped on, you know, your team or your club or whoever, you know, the people that you see at the races, 
you can still go to a race. And I know this is shocking for for some people because it was weird for me. You cannot race one weekend. You could not race every other weekend, but still go to one day of the race. You know, volunteering at races is... Yeah, lots of need for volunteers. Yeah, race organizers will love you. You will probably end up scoring a free entry to another race, maybe, if you, you know, hook up with an organizer who puts on a series and volunteer every other race. Yep. Yeah, and I mean, you could definitely do like race Saturday, endurance ride Sunday would be a nice block that I'm very fond of, and then Monday's easy, and then Tuesday, you know, maybe some coordination. Wednesday, we get a nice good midweek workout in because you're finally recovered and, you know, you haven't hit intensity in a while. Um, and then you recover down and you could race again Saturday. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like I absolutely love racing. I think it's awesome. Um, I think just there's this tendency to kind of panic that if you're not racing, who are you in your athletic community? Who are you as a racer if you elect to skip a race weekend? You know, who are you as an athlete? And I guess the other piece, right? Like that's a very, you know, racing still going on. And I have an article about cyclocross burnout, which we'll also link to that can cover a bit more of that specific application. But I think when the season's over, so let's say you're a mountain biker or you're a, you know, trail runner and you're, you know, now not trail running, um, you know, or outdoor rock climbing or whatever you're into. If you stop, if that stops because the season's over, then, you know, your group ride for the week, maybe, you know, maybe you're going training with, you know, you know, you're used to going training on Tuesdays with your friend and chatting with them for an hour while you ride. And then maybe on the weekend, you're going to like a race or a pre-ride or both. Right. And so that's a lot of social time. But then when that season ends, it's like this huge chunk of time and this huge, um, I guess identity, right? Like social, you know, that social, we talked about buckets a few podcasts ago and that social bucket where you're hanging out with your friends. Yeah. That also got emptied and you maybe didn't expect that. It's just kind of the unexpected consequence of the season ending. Yeah. So we've talked, uh, you and I have talked a bit about this and a couple clients and I have talked about this is, you know, you have to ideally you find something and that might be reconnecting with friends that don't get as much attention during the, you know, the race season or the summer or whatever. Right. And that I have a few clients that play hockey so that, you know, that need immediately in the fall, they never have a problem because they go to hockey two nights a week. Um, and they do that. And other clients, I have one that plays bridge in the winter and another one, Uh, Speaking of which, if we have a bridge expert that could come on and teach me how to, like, crush a game of bridge. Yeah, I mean, gym is another place that some people get that that coordination. I think, you know, some of the spin studios and trainer, you know, setups can do okay with that. I hesitate to say some of the Zwift and that sort of stuff, the online thing, because online, again, isn't... It's not quite the same, but I guess that could fill, you know, if you were meeting if, someone for a, a group ride on Zwift or something. That, if that's your one option, if you can't get out of the house, like, sure. it's better than nothing. Sure. But I think just, you know, acknowledging that, A, it's it's perfectly normal to feel a little run down after a season, especially if you're going hard and racing double weekends or racing a lot. Uh, it's also normal to feel a bit of a loss as that season ends for better or worse, right? You know, if you won then it's over the next day and no one remembers that you won and there's sort of a letdown there. And if it was a big goal, you know, it's over and now you have no reason to train. What do you, why? And I think this is where you see people make the mistake of continuing to like bash themselves in training because the idea of taking that off season is, is scary. And I've been, you know, like I'll say I'm a good example of this right now. My knee is still kind of off. I've had a bit of like runner's knee issues the last couple weeks. 
And so last week I didn't really run at all for, I mean, six days. I still walked every day. I still swam. I still went to the gym. I taught a spin class today. You know, we're not talking inactive, but I still have this, you know, panic in the back of my brain that like, oh my gosh, I'm not doing, I'm not running. I don't even have a race I'm signed up for, much less like a race that's looming. And I'm still panicked that, oh my gosh, like, you know, I'm going to be super out of shape when I get back to running. This is going to be the worst thing ever. Yeah, it's definitely hard, right? And I mean, I, I think looking at your case objectively, it's like, well, why don't you stop, right? And, and there is some logic to that for sure. Um, but it is it is very tough, right? And, um, you know, it's not obvious that stopping completely would com- necessarily heal it any faster, but there there is that that logic there somewhere, I guess, right? Um, but all that to say that, indeed, it's hard to switch and hard to turn off that, you know, I need to be driving this really hard, right? And like, I'll throw it out there from an athlete perspective, the idea of toning it down, especially with the holidays kind of coming up is a little scary because you're like, oh my gosh, what if I, you know, gain X number of pounds? Right. And, you know, that's, that's a really real thought. You know, I, I don't like the fact that that goes through my head, but it is something that goes through my head. Yeah, and it's, I don't know, a lot of people don't really train enough to offset any of that stuff anyhow. You know, I think being active and staying walking and stuff and some strength training, I think that makes sense. Um, but at some point, like that calories in, calories out, like you're not a pro tour, you know. Eight, yeah, exactly. You know, 20-year-old riding six hours a day right no my big weeks would be like 15 hour weeks and that'd be a huge week for me yeah i don't know how many of those you have um so the important thing is like i think in the off season like you can put attention to nutrition that would be a great focus for a lot of people and just cleaning up more vegetables you know making sure they get the protein getting to bed on time um and, and i'm not saying don't train in fact I'm, I'm trying to advise against that i'm trying to suggest that there's a, like a down period for thanksgiving for four days and then you're going to start back into something right and so i mentioned my one client was you know working on some of those niggling injuries so for you your knee has been a bit more of a focus you've been doing more therapeutics we've actually seen you on the foam roller maybe a bit I don't like it but uh you know you have to go in for appointments and stuff and that takes time um and then the next thing is like you have to start putting I, I, I like metaphors and lots of them and I steal them so I try and give attribution the hay is in the barn right so that's what we always say when we're at race day well the hay only gets into the barn if we put it into the barn right and that takes time I'm not a farmer so I'm not really sure if that's accurate but so and I, I've been lucky I don't know how much of this was trained versus I don't know if that's type A or what but I've never been that motivated by races I've always just wanted to keep getting better and to me better wasn't necessarily the results were one thing and those were slow coming but just i always wanted okay good the race is done now i can go back and train and and start working on this again and working on this again right and i think there's an insanity that i continue to keep doing that but that's been i've been fortunate to do that and so the question that i usually when i'm talking to clients and you know okay we're in the fall we're doing some goal setting so sure there's an event okay so whatever the event is you're going to train to it doesn't ultimately i don't think it it's something there's a date there's a placeholder maybe a type of event cyclocross season next year running 100 milers next year uh, in august Um, then you sort of know a rough destination and you know where you are right now right you know that race you just finished you know some tests maybe of some type 
And then you got to get to work chipping away at that, right? And probably because of that race season, there's your fitness has dropped essentially, right? And you can define that however you want. Um, but you got to get back chipping away at it, right? And it's not the high intensity necessarily. It's not like any one hero workout. It's just everyday consistency, right? Like it's it's boring ultimately. There's ways to add variety to it, but it's it's consistency. And I think that's what a lot of folks don't, do in the fall is go back and start again putting hay in the barn um and instead it's another metaphor they're actually um going to the well which is a steve magnus thing i don't know if he coined it but i really like that one and so going to the well or, or taking the hay out of the barn if you like two metaphors um you know we're just we're just really drawing on that right so that's going on and racing on zwift or doing extra races or racing too many races mm-hmm. and just drawing on that and that's what i mean about just continuing to like beat your head against the wall with like okay the season's over i technically could have an off season but i'm gonna keep doing these hard workouts because i'm panicked that i can't like going easy or cutting my you know training time or training yeah. intensity down is gonna you know, decrease my fitness when really that's what you need to get better for next season. Yeah. So what we'll usually start off with is, you know, two super easy workouts, which I had to define again today for another client. And it's just really easy. Like, and it's, it's very hard, but you know, that means you're not breathing hard. You're not sprinting. You're not, you know, accelerating. Um, you know, I can give you numbers on that. I don't know if we need to do that, but Um, you know, it's, there's a recovery zone. I'm sure you can look up whatever zone system you want. It's it's really easy, right? Like it's essentially riding to the store on a flat road, you know, or running for a lot of people running. It probably is not far off of a walking or a run walk, right? I couldn't believe actually, even in the spin class I was teaching today, um, how hard I had to work to get everyone down to that recovery easy pace between, you know, the little mini sets that we did. Mm-hmm. I think I had to talk more during the recovery stuff explaining, you know, how e- just how easy I wanted to be and keep, keep being like, okay, everybody, go easier. Go easier than you think you're going right now. Easier, easier. Like making everyone chat with me just to keep everyone chilling out because the tendency is to call easy moderate or call moderate easy, I guess. And I guess it it relates, you know, you talked about the holiday meals and stuff, right? And a lot of us are very resistant to ever let off, right? To ever sort of like undulate the intensity or the focus to change the intensity or the focus or the duration. Um, And so food would be another example where there's obviously changes, you know, if you're not training as much, then you're not eating as much, you know, you're eating a little cleaner, even extra cleaner, you know, you're pulling you know, obviously no sugar powders and, and these things because you're not riding so much that you need that. No recovery powders, maybe no smoothies. You know, you're pulling that back um, because it's that time of year, right? It's, this is this is well understood that you, you should be changing your nutrition based on what you're you're doing. Um, and again, easier said than done. But, but that idea of undulating the intensity and the focus of the year, right? Changing it. And that's really how the interest and the motivation is kept up is you back off and you just put, keep doing some consistently, you know, easy workouts. Ones you could do every day this week. Like what if you trained like that? You know, you don't have to do the same workout every day. But rather than like hero workout, you know, put up whatever pre-made workout you want and then just drain yourself so that you're like slumped over your handlebars, right? How many times can you do that? Yeah, absolutely. Some people, I guess, maybe, but 
yeah, it's just, you know, get, get that like a couple hours of pedaling or a couple hours of exercise, bit of strength. Yeah. Um, on the nutrition side, actually PSA on that, um, it's actually probably going to take you a few days for your appetite to adjust to being lower. Um, if you're used to eating a certain amount because you're racing and doing hard workouts and everything, you're not going to be able to just tomorrow morning go to like an egg white omelet and like salad for lunch and like tiny piece of salmon for dinner with like your one piece of dark chocolate for dessert. Uh, that you're probably still going to be as hungry as you were when you were doing the hard race for a few days. Your body will relearn to be a little less hungry, but I think the biggest mistake people make is going, you know, okay, I'm not training as much this week, so now I'm going to eat this super, you know, clean, super light diet that I read about in Self or Health or Men's Journal that's 1,500 calories a day because I'm doing a rest day. And then you're freaking starving that night or the next morning, and you go back to eating a ton. Um, yeah, so. and I don't know. I mean, there's obviously personal, you know, variations and stuff, right? And, and how much we need to focus on this depends on who we are and what we're trying to do as well. Um, but, you know, for a lot of us, it's, it's as simple as, you know, is there protein, fat, vegetable, and a little bit of carb at that, yeah. you know, and just sort of balance. Is that plate balanced? And a little bit more veggies... You know, sort yeah. of just back and forth with that. I just mean don't expect to be able to, like, massively restructure your diet the day that you're done with the season. No, you want it to be general, right? And I think it's just, you know, obviously you're just not going to have that, you know, if you have a big thing of pasta or a big recovery smoothie after a workout or whatever you do, you just, that may have to change, right? And it might just become a, you know, an apple, a snack, you mm -hmm. know, versus, you know, some large meal. Um, yeah, it just... There is a little bit of undulation there, right? And so you, you, you can be very much in control of that. Yeah. And I think, again, keeping moving, you know, you can be training, you can be walking, you can be doing strength training, uh, just changing that focus on what are you working on right now, right? It doesn't, mm -hmm. it's not for the season. It's not a big, ambitious, crazy goal. It's, you know, we're putting in the time, building in strength. We're doing, you know, this little strength workout for this month you know, twice a week. And we're going to, every time we go in, we're going to just bump up, you know, the weight or bump up the reps a little bit and see that progress. We're going to do, you know, so maybe we're in the gym twice a week and then we're going to be, you know, on the bike or running, say a few times a week, say even three, right? It's not really a crazy amount. Yeah. And you're going to ride for an hour and you're just going to do it chill. Just keep it right in that, you know, endurance zone, say. And just again, can you get to where that, those three runs just feel really comfy, no pain, you know, you're not sore the next day. Um, you know, maybe you see that speeds changing that comfortable pace, you know, that's pace for running or the wattage for cycling is coming up, but you're not forcing it. Right. And the big thing about this time of year is you're not forcing anything. You're just putting in the bank. It could be, you know, the wattage could be lower. The pace could be lower one day. It could be higher the next day. Um, you're just, you're just doing it right. It's just putting that month in the bank. The off season is not sexy. I think is the the major. No, you just show up every day. That's all you got to do. Yeah. Do do a little bit of something. You know, it's going to be those early mornings. You know, doing that ten minutes of core or going to the gym or hopping on the trainer and just busting. You know, those thirty minutes, sixty minutes. But not pointlessly early. No, and I think the other nice thing about this off season or or 
cross training season, if you want, or base season, general preparation period, uh, is just change it up, right? Like again, get out there. We talked to Jen Jackson about pole running and, and cross country ski prep. And then soon we'll be hopefully cross country skiing here. We've already had a few places open. Um, people were snowshoeing. I thought that was a little early, but you certainly could go walk in the forest. You could put some boots on and go walk in the forest. Uh, you know, some fat bikes, there's all sorts of different options, right? If you're running, you know, gradually easing into running, we've had podcasts with Jonathan, Jonathan Beverly and Matt Fitzgerald and several other folks. Can you think of another running podcast we did? The one we just did, uh, with Luke Humphreys. Oh yeah. Yeah. With Luke for sure. And he has a book about marathoning and getting into that. So, um, you know, there's lots of reasons and it's a good time of year. If you're feeling a little lost is okay, well, what am I going to learn? I'm going to learn how to swim here in, in November, December, and just change my focus. And, and you're going to feel like a complete beginner and it's fine. Cause you're not, it's not your main thing. You're just learning to swim. Right. But if you go a few times, I guarantee you'll figure that out. Right. Or, or you're going to learn to run. So you're going to run really, really slow, gradual progression and you're going to get there. And then by, you know, Christmas, you're going to have this, this new tool to train and you'll have learned something and, you'll be ready to sort of put maybe a bit more focus. So that could be intensity or volume or whatever into, you know, your sports specific training even. Right. So, so I think the the overall takeaway, if we sum this large concept up is it's okay to feel lost. The off season's a good time. Start putting hay in the barn, show up every day. Um, What else? I I think now we're just belaboring our our summary. We don't want to keep the summary longer than the, Okay, so there we go. Um, and then last question, how can I make my indoor training more effective? So this is a really interesting one because now, you know, I think we'll mainly talk trainer riding for cycling, but we're also talking treadmill, any of that kind of stuff, just anything that's going to keep you indoors trying to do your aerobic activity that sure. you would normally be doing outside. So common mistakes that people make on the trainer. I think the like doing your homework while you pedal or, you know, I think watching a movie is okay. Um, I'll, I'll bite my lips and say that Zwift is fine. Um, you know, any of these things where you're actually riding and you're somewhat engaged in the, the sport, but it would be, it's just quite irregular. Some of the things we do in cycling, I find perplexing like that. We have, we don't put more focus, you know, into skill and in sport, especially disciplines like cyclocross with the hurdles and stuff, if you compare it to other sports like hurdles and running, we put so much emphasis on technique and practice and mobility. And then in cycling, for some reason, there's just, you don't see that commonly. Um, I'll say the least fit and most pointless I have ever been was my sophomore year of college when I started getting into triathlon. My strategy for training on the bike or for the bike was to go into the gym, sit on the recumbent bike because it was easier to do that right. while I was reading papers or writing papers for class. And I think that gets like you're trying to simulate a sport out that's outdoors. So you're already seated the whole time, which to me, again, we don't practice the technique of standing up. So and then, you know, we're not used to going hard and standing up where most of races are one standing up uh, with the exceptions, obviously. But the, the thing is you're trying to, to train those sports specific muscles and, and practice the sport. So even if it meant doing 20 minute workouts where you were really focused and, you know, supporting your own body weight with your arms and, you know, hinged over in the position that, so that your joint angles were the same and the muscle activation was the same, um, you know, and you were focusing on what does it feel like in my hips and what is my breathing like when I work at these different workloads, right? And I'm actually pedaling in a steady fashion. 
my pedal strokes getting smoother I'm gaining efficiency you know um, there's just all these factors that you know cycling seems simple but it, it requires so much repetition of like what we'll call good form quote-unquote good form but just good repetition right um, so if your sport isn't sitting up with your hands not on the handlebars right you're not that's not any discipline maybe mm-hmm. like some sort of ballet cycling or something right it's just not the thing and I think the distraction I've always been a fan of like you sh- you listen to music use movies use all these tools to get yourself through the stuff you need to do the time you need to do but the intervals especially should be done almost it's like staring at a wall for lack of a better way and I'm a little bit of a what would that make me I don't know I'm Hard. Old school. I guess old school. But I, to me, it's just the sport of cycling and most racing is not easy. There are mental challenges. You want to quit. So to me, indoor cycling was always a chance to practice not quitting. Like, and I wrote an article, which we'll also link to, about putting your hand in the fire. And that's all intervals are. That's all sport is, is who can hold their hand in the fire the longest um, and also not get so burnt that they have to DNF because they've been burnt um, or they blow up would be the analogy, right? And and this relates heavily to the Endure podcast that we did an Endure book by Michael Hutchinson. Alex Hutchinson. Alex, oh my God, I'm sorry. It's embarrassing. What did I say? Michael. Michael, that's a different Hutchinson. <laughs> Apologies to all the Hutchinsons. Uh, yeah, I think they're both, they both write though. Michael Hutchinson. Yeah, definitely right. Oh boy. Anyway... Uh, Hand. Endure. Hand in the fire. Yeah. So you're practicing that. And so I would rather see you do like a 30 minute warm up, do it like a a Tabata interval, see what it's like when you're breathing ridiculously hard, learn to pedal with some form with your eyes open, you know, breathing, you know, you're going to be labored, but you're going to fight it. You're going to have your pedal stroke pretty good. You're going to fight all that urge to quit. You're going to keep fighting, keep fighting, and then you're going to cool down. And I would rather see someone do that once a week, really focused, and then whatever other training you're doing. Um, and do that really recovered and really focused and then not do any of the extra volume that you need to do where your back can't support you on the trainer or your homework needs to get done or you need to go onto online dating sites or something like that. So the homework makes me laugh because I was working on the cyclocross rankings for this week for Flow Bikes. Uh, if anyone wants to watch our ranking show, highly recommend that. Head over to flowbikes.com. Um, but as I was doing it, I was realizing that uh, Gage hacked the... Uh, U23 Pan Am champion uh, wasn't racing this weekend. Uh, he wasn't on any of the results lists. So I was like, huh, wonder what Gage has been up to. So I go to his Instagram and the picture that pops up for his most recent picture is a desk with homework on it. A desk, not a bike, a desk. Every other picture, racing. This picture, homework on his desk. Right. He is home this week, taking a recovery week, doing his homework, not on the bike. So that's what the elite racers are doing. So Yeah, and there's exceptions. Like I mean, I obviously like I have my computer there too and you know, I'll I've answered emails. I'm, uh, the last workout I did, I probably did that. Um, you know, my phone's there and I listen to Apple Music usually. Um, I do have a program that I use often with the smart trainer just to put the the workout there so that I can see what it is. Um, and I, and I test a lot of this stuff too, because clients are using it. Right. So I am, I do interact with my, my, my computer or my phone or whatever. It's not that I'm like literally in the basement staring at a wall. You Um, would be if we had a basement. I would, I would. Um, 
and that you could call old school. But the reality is this, at some point you want to focus and practice your sport. So I want you to think like if you were a track runner, you know, you'd be at the track and you would run in a really focused manner, right? And, and I think so many of us try and find that flow state or that, you know, that escape from our everyday life, right? So why have your email open or why have, you know, all these distractions versus like, the, the depth of focus you can find in that, you know, misery, I guess, right? And it's, I guess, it's that waxing poetic. I don't know if I can give myself that much credit, but the the idea that just focus for, again, a four-minute interval or some 30-30s or whatever you're willing to do, whatever is relevant to you right now, and then get off, right? Just shorten it. If your back hurts, if your butt hurts, these are things you could look into and are probably important to look into before we get into race season or, or bigger miles, right? Yeah, and it's also funny how good your focus gets when you get off the bike if you've just been focusing on that. I feel like that in the pool because, you know, you can't, you kind of have to single task in the pool. Uh, You can't really do anything else. And I find that when I get out, my mind is so much clearer than it is when, yeah, like when I'm on the bike and I'm, you know, kind of maybe taking a couple notes on my phone or like jotting something down or, you know, still very much engaged with the outside world. So, yeah, the... The way you can free your mind in that hour on the bike or on the trainer, it's so worth it because you actually come back more productive and more focused afterwards anyway. So even from like, oh, but I need to get work done perspective, you're actually going to be a better worker and more efficient if you take the hour for yourself versus trying to kind of do eight things in your head at once. Yeah, yeah, I think there's room maybe for some distraction and multitasking. It's going to happen. It, it's, it's part of enduring is that we think about other things and we talk to friends and we, you know, whatever, we watch a movie at some point. But you just want to try and find those high-intensity moments, right? And that could be high focus. It doesn't have to be necessarily high-intensity. But this gets to that thing of just that constant grind, right, of, of versus recovering, you know, having low intensity days, high intensity days, low intensity days. Um, so I'd much rather someone, you know, go for a walk slash run or cross country ski one day and get outside and then, you know, take a recovery day and then they do their high intensity day, you know, and that's I, the high low off is a, a thing that I like to sort of just use as a rough benchmark, but making sure that that high intensity day, whatever duration you can support that mentally and physically, you know, it's there. And I think if a lot of us, and I'm as guilty as anyone, I love my tempo and moderate intensity. Um, if if you look back at your training logs and there just isn't that real high intensity day, right? Um, and we can define that if someone wants to ask that question and how to know if you, you have too much or not enough. But if you go back to any of the polarized episodes, like the Steven Seiler episode and Matt Fitzgerald episode on 8020, um, I mean, Steve Neal and Mr. Sweet Spot, Frank Overton on as well. Um, so all those, the common theme, even with the Sweet Spot tempo uh, guys, was that there's really easy days, right? And and then that allows for that very hard focus day. Yeah, I forget who it was that was just saying this. It might have been in a podcast I was listening to or a book that I'm reading. Uh, someone talked about, you know, we don't make gains on the hard days. We make the gains on the easy days. Yeah, it sounds something like Frank says stuff like that. Um, but that's definitely the case, right? And it's it's just making sure that you, you put those easy days in the bank. And so many people are missing the, the easy days and also missing the hard days. Yeah. And there's just these like moderate days, right? I was doing a couple analysis Cs for clients 
um, where we were looking at their heart rate values for the season, so for 2018, and you can put those into buckets and you could divide them into whatever zones you want, right? And, and it's interesting what you see is that it ends up in like that zone three tempo sort of moderate area. Uh, there ends up being a fair bit of time there, but then very little in recovery, endurance, and then also consequently very little in the top end stuff, right? So your five, six zones or, mm-hmm. or VO2 or anaerobic or whatever you want to call them. Um, so, so that would be very middle ground intensity, right? But what that usually means is that their endurance is done harder. So that's actually getting into those middle ground intensities. Um, so not to say that the middle ground intensity should not be done or are bad, but just that the stuff that's supposed to be easy is being done as sort of the lower end of that. So it's getting put in those buckets, right? Mm-hmm. But it's not really that stuff. Right. Right. It, it's getting, it's their endurance stuff, right? So there's no endurance. It's not really that middle ground intensity that like Frank is talking about, or even what Steve's talking about, um, the tempo, the threshold, right. the sweet spot. Um, and then consequently, there's just no, uh, none of that heavy breathing, VO2, you know, stuff that we know is, is very effective. Right. So all that to say. All that to say, that's how you make your trainer workout more effective. Yeah, stare at the wall, <sighs> pretty much. Yeah, I mean, and just do less, right? I think that's maybe even here is just, you know, try and find something that's fun. And again, that might be riding on Zwift or distracting yourself with a movie um, or shortening it down or mixing it up, though I really like going out for you know riding for a bit then going for a run and that's you know i did a two hour and a half two and a half hour workout on saturday so i did 90 minutes on the train and i've been training now for a bit here this year so i'm i didn't just do this out of the gate this could easily be half an hour trainer half an hour run walk that's an hour workout right easy you wouldn't even know you're on the trainer probably Right? So, I mean, I would definitely... Yeah, so mix it, it up, right? And you could come back. We used to do that all the time. We'd go train, cross-country ski for three hours. So we'd, sorry, we'd warm up on the trainer, cross-country ski for three hours, come back, finish on the trainer for 30 to 60. So you'd do like five-hour days, right? And the majority was cross-country skiing, but then we'd finish in our main sport. And the thought, at least, was that that would help with the coordination, right? And at the end, you'd feel like it had been a five-hour bike ride. Right. And I think there's some good logic with that. Yeah, for sure. Especially if you're cold, right? You got to warm up, then you can go right out and you're warm. And then sort of, usually you're warming up as you're cooling down. But yeah, lots of things happening there. Yeah, cool. Well, that's good. That's not quite an hour, so we won't belabor the people with our voices too much. But uh, anything else to leave the folks with? I was just going to say, definitely head over to the show notes because I feel like we have a lot of links for this episode. I've made actual notes, so I'll try and put lots of that stuff in there uh, for sure. Yeah, and as always, if you have any questions, comments, people you want to have on, topics you want to see addressed, uh, hit us up. I'm Molly J. Herford. Peter is at Peter Glassford on Twitter and on Instagram. Or shoot us a note over at consummateathlete.com. And of course... Ratings and reviews for this podcast would be greatly appreciated. Thanks so much and have a great Thanksgiving, everybody. Thanks so much for tuning into the Consummate Athlete Podcast. Uh, you can check out my stuff over at theoutdooredit.com or by following me on Instagram and Twitter at Molly J. Herford. And you can check out Peter's coaching, training plans, blogs, all that fun stuff over at smartathlete.ca or by following him on Twitter and Instagram at Peter Glassford. And if you want to support this show and other awesome podcasts, please check out wideanglepodium.com for show info, other podcasts, 
bonus content and to become a donating member so you can get all of that rad behind the scenes content and help keep shows like this on the air. And lastly, if you're enjoying this podcast and all the information that we're bringing to you every single week, uh, do us a solid and pop into iTunes to leave us a rating and review. It takes you about two seconds. You can do it on your computer. You can do it on your phone. And it really helps us out. Thanks so much. And we will see you next week. Bye.